Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We're so glad that you have decided to be with us today. We're so glad that you are here. And I just wanted to let you know, I've been thinking about this Mother's Day a lot lately, and I've been thinking about it because of a recent trip back home. Back in mid-March, I visited my mother, Betsy Fuller, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I went because she had some important work that she needed to do, and I felt like I needed to help. She planned to clean out her garage, her basement, and her attic. And I felt obligated to go and help because honestly, I'm one of the people responsible for filling a lot of it up. A lot of the stuff that was there is stuff that I've left there over the years, and I think that it was just time for me to go and help her clean some of this stuff out. Now, at first, it, was, it seemed like an overwhelming, uh, overwhelming task, but I'll tell you, there's something therapeutic about launching boxes from an upstairs attic window into a 30-foot construction dumpster. If you haven't done it and done it, I highly recommend it. So over the three days that we were there, we filled up that dumpster and we also gave away three utility trailers worth of salvageable items to our friends. And you know, at first, I'll admit, it was, it was difficult throwing things away, but then after a while, it just became fun and liberating. And I realized though, that as we were throwing these boxes away, that the real treasure was the time spent with my mother and that nothing we kept or threw away was nearly as valuable as the time that we spent cleaning out that basement and that attic and that garage together. I mean, the whole time we were working, we were talking and we were rediscovering. Because what you discover is that an attic full of stuff is an attic full of memories and a garage full of books and boxes is a garage full of stories and conversations. And what made that visit special was not just the work that we did, but the fact that we did that work together, the fact that we spent that time together. There's a lot to be said for just spending time together, just being together with someone you love. Sometimes you talk, sometimes you work, sometimes you eat, or sometimes you just sit in silence or maybe just watch a movie or something like that. But when you're actually with someone in their presence, there's an actual tangible feeling that just doesn't communicate over the phone, over Zoom, or over some kind of social media connection. And the truth is, we never appreciate the presence of those people in our lives, and especially the presence of our mothers in our lives, until we get to a certain age when we're separated by, from them, either by time or by distance. That's why spending time together is so special. You know, the great moms don't just live near their children. They are deeply involved in the lives of their children. Now, I know that there are some people who think, yes, my mom is very involved in my life. As a matter of fact, she could give me a little space. That would be okay. There are just some moms that love hard. But you know what? I never realized how much my mom did for me. I never realized 
and really appreciated how really involved she was in my life until I saw how involved Morgan is, how present Morgan is in the lives of our kids. All those things that we take for granted, all those things that just seem to happen, somebody's doing those. All those things that just seem to fall into place, fall into place because probably your mom made it happen, made the phone call, remembered the appointment, whatever it was, because she made it happen. And I'm just thinking about my mom and how she walked with me in the seasons of my life. And I'm thinking about, my, about Morgan and how she walks through the seasons of our kids' lives, making a way, making things happen. And you know, I think about my mom's case and I think about the case of Morgan. I think they do all this, you all do all this without us even most of the time recognizing it. We just assume, we just take for granted that it's happening. We don't even see it. Sometimes that's the way we are with the Lord too. Sometimes we don't realize how much the Lord is involved in our lives. We don't always appreciate how present he really is. Well, the story that we are going to read today is a hint about the Savior who walks with us and who is with us even when we don't recognize that he's there. Our passage today comes from Luke chapter 24, and it's one of the first recorded appearances of the risen Christ. It takes place the day of Easter, right after Jesus has been raised from the dead, beginning in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and then crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to, rec to reconcile or to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the, his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who, said, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, speak to us of eternal things 
that we may hear and know your truth. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. On that first Easter Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the small village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, while the rest of the twelve were still in hiding. Somewhere in Jerusalem, these two thought it would be better just to go home and get out of town. They were in deep conversation, talking about everything that had just happened, everything that had happened since Good Friday. And while they were walking and talking, Jesus just kind of sidled up next to them and started walking along with them. And here's the hook. Here's the clincher of the story. They didn't recognize who he was. I mean, the risen Jesus was there just walking and talking with them, and they couldn't even tell who he was. The whole time, they just treated him like he was a stranger. Now, that could be Luke's way of saying that they just didn't realize it was Jesus. I mean, have you ever been like at the, at the grocery store or out of town and, and maybe you see somebody that you know you know, but, but you can't put a name with a face or maybe you don't even recognize, it doesn't even register who that person is. Maybe they changed clothes or got a haircut. I saw one of our elders this morning who shaved his beard and I looked at him, I gave him a double take. He's like, oh, hey, Job, how are you? But sometimes you just don't recognize people right off the bat. Maybe that was part of it. Or maybe it was something more. I mean, after all, they were in shock. The problem may have been that they were still held captive by the circumstances of Jesus' death. So captive, indeed, that they were blind, in a sense. I mean, after all, PTSD was not invented 30 years ago. It's been around since Cain murdered Abel. These guys were traumatized. They had seen their friend and teacher not only betrayed, but led bloody and beaten through the streets of Jerusalem only to be crucified, to be made an example, a spectacle, a warning to terrorize anyone who might dare to question those in power either in the temple or in Rome. But here's what's interesting. Luke doesn't say simply that they just didn't recognize him. He says in verse 6, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. His implication is that this is purposeful. Either God or Jesus himself was hiding his true identity for the moment. Now one reason might have been that it would simply have been overwhelming for them to see him. The shock of seeing him alive might have been too much to handle and they might have had a heart attack or a mental breakdown right there on the spot. But there may be another reason too. If you look back in the Gospels, there's this recurring theme. Jesus is always very careful about how he reveals himself. He doesn't always reveal himself clearly or openly. He does it very tactfully. Sometimes he's cagey. Sometimes he, he really sets things up, almost like he wants you to open a gift and be surprised. He wants to build anticipation. 
And sometimes it's even like he's springing a trap, drawing us in before we even realize that we're caught. I think that one reason that God keeps them from recognizing Jesus is because this was his way of drawing them in, of drawing us in. Jesus, the teacher, was always teaching. And instead of just showing up and saying, hi, y'all, I'm back, he wanted them to hear and to know the facts and to connect the dots before he blew their minds with the reality and the power of his resurrection. He wanted to acknowledge first the testimony of the women and establish that the promises of God are certain. Remember what the story says. They said that some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they went to the tomb and they couldn't find his body. And then they came back with this story about how they'd seen a vision of angels. And, and they, then others went to the tomb to check it out and found that it was empty, just as the women had said. But they didn't find Jesus. And remember that, that in another account, an account of the Easter morning, some of the disciples had dismissed the testimony of the women saying, oh, you know what, they're just giving us idle tales. In other words, these are really just hysterical women. They're too overcome by grief. They don't know what they're talking about. But what's going on here? In a culture that marginalized the voices of mothers and sisters and wives and friends, I think Luke was saying, you know what? You need to listen to the testimony of these women. They were the first to see the risen Jesus. And the reason that they were there is because they were more faithful than anybody else. While everybody else was hiding, they went to the tomb to pay respect to their teacher and their savior. In other words, you need to listen to them because they were right. Something that we all need to remember on Mother's Day. But they not only dismissed the testimony of Mary and the others who had gone to the tomb, They'd also dismiss the testimony of God, the promises of God. The stranger asked, what is this you're talking about so intently? And they just stood there open-mouthed, aghast and indignant. And finally, one of them, Cleopas, said this. He said, are you the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's been going on for the last few days? What happened to Jesus of Nazareth, the man of God, a prophet, a miracle worker, a powerful teacher, blessed by both God and the people? Three days ago, our high priests and the leaders betrayed him, and they got him sentenced to death, and he was crucified by the Romans. But I guess you hadn't heard about any of that. We had thought that he was the one that God promised. We thought that he was the one who was going to deliver Israel. They were so blinded and they were so scared by their grief and trauma that they had either forgotten or dismissed everything that Jesus had told them. Remember, leading up to that moment, Jesus had told them everything that was going to happen three times, four times if you count the Last Supper. He said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that's written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. 
For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, and he will be shamefully treated, and he will be spat upon, and after flogging him, he will be crucified. And then on the third day, he will rise again. They knew all this. They'd heard it. But because of what they'd seen, because of the circumstances, none of that seemed to make sense anymore. And so they dismissed the promises of Jesus himself. But not only that, they also dismissed the promises of God given in the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament. And so the undercover Jesus said, why do you have so little faith? Don't you believe what the prophets said? Didn't the scriptures say that all these things had to happen? That the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? And then Luke says that he started at the beginning with Genesis and moved all through the Torah and then went through the prophets, connecting the dots, unpacking every book of the Old Testament, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to and foretold of him. I mean, when you're on a road trip with Jesus, there are no podcasts. It is Bible cover to cover for seven miles of walking. And he gave them everything. Now, that's not the end of the story, but we're going to pause here. We're going to stop here for this week, and, and we're going to come back to the next point next week because I want to dig a little deeper into something that's going on right here. First of all, we've got to remember the first fact of this story. What is the first fact of this story? That Jesus was alive and he was with them. Jesus was alive and he was with them. And even though they couldn't see or recognize him, Jesus was with them the whole time. He was with them in the blindness of the circumstance. You know, I think we forget how blinded we can be by our circumstances, especially by trauma or grief or fear. But Jesus was with them right there in the middle of their grief, right there in the middle of their stress, in the middle of their confusion. Have you ever had a friend who was so hurt or broken or overwhelmed that he or she couldn't see past or through their circumstances? They couldn't even hear the people who were trying to help them or they couldn't see any light or hope or future, it's like they just became numb to everything. You know, maybe you've been in that place yourself. Maybe you're in that place right now. Have you ever tried to help those people, tried to help those people you love, or to comfort them with the word of God in a moment like that, or with a prayer, or share the promises of God with them, but they just grow cold? And even the sweet words of Jesus seem to take, taste like ashes and empty promises. Or have you ever known someone who couldn't even believe or hear the witness or the testimony of their friends? 
I mean, you and others have tried to help, but it's like they just can't even hear you or they're too paralyzed to move. And and here was Jesus. He was even there walking with them. But here we see how the trauma of the circumstance blinded them and made them numb and even deaf to the reality of God. They still didn't see him. They had the word of God and they had the testimony that he was alive and he was even right there with them. But they couldn't see him. But you know what? Even though they couldn't see him, he was still there. He was still there. Even though they didn't recognize him, and even though they were deaf to the testimony of their friends and to the promises of God, he was there with them. Now, the name of this sermon is Walking with Jesus. But ultimately, this story is not about these guys walking with Jesus. Really, this story is about Jesus walking with them, unseen, even though they didn't even know it. And this story is not really a story about how we are supposed to walk with Jesus as much as it is a promise that he is here with us. Even though we can't see him, even when we can't recognize him, and even when they couldn't see him or recognize him, Jesus was with them the whole time. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he told them one more time that his body was going to be broken and his blood would be poured out for them. And he promised that he would die and that he would be raised from the dead. But Jesus also had another promise. He made another promise that night. That was the promise of his presence. John's gospel tells us that Jesus promised his disciples that he would not leave them alone, but that he would send someone to walk with them, to be his invisible presence when he was gone. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He said, I am not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? In the simplest terms, he is the invisible God with us. The promise of the Holy Spirit is that even though you do not see him, God is here with us. Now, Jesus promised 
that God would be with us even when we don't see him. He promised that he would die for us, and he did. He promised that he would be raised in power from the dead, and he was. And if Jesus kept those promises, that he would die and rise again, then we can believe that he will keep his promise to be with us, even when we cannot see him. This story is not about us walking with Jesus. It's about how he walks with us. Before we ever consciously begin walking with him, he's already walking with us in our lives, in our joys, in our circumstances, in our problems, in our stuff. How do we know that Jesus is with us? Well, first of all, we have his word. Just like the two of them on the road to Emmaus, we have his written word. We have his promise written in ink, in black and white. Everything had happened according to his word through the law and the prophets. And our God is a God who keeps his promises to them and to us. And we have it in writing. We also have the witness of others. I mean, just like the two men who had the testimony of the women declaring that Jesus is alive, God is going to put people in our lives to tell us that in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what we see, God is real, that he loves you so much that he proved it with his own life. And just as surely as he raised Jesus from the dead, he can make a difference in your life now and forever. Beloved, he has put people in our lives who can say, I know that Jesus can make a difference in your life because he made a difference in my life. They're going to say it even when we can't hear it. So we've got his word, we've got the witness, but we also have the walk, that experience of walking with him. Here's the truth and here's the promise. You don't have to go find Jesus. If you are here today, if you are hearing his word today, it is because he has already found you. I don't care who brought you here today. I don't care why you think you're here today. You may think it's because you're making your mom happy on Mother's Day or because she dragged you here. Whatever, it, whatever illusion you have of why you're here today, you're here today because Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit brought you here today. You're not here by accident because he wanted you to hear that he is with you. Sometimes, often, we are so deep in the circumstances of the moment that we can't see him. You know, why doesn't Jesus reveal himself clearly? Why doesn't he reveal himself when we need him most? I mean, after all, where are you? That's a hard question. And the answer is not easy either. But you know what? There's an old poem by Carolyn Joyce Carty. And I have resisted using it in a sermon for 27 
years because it's such a cliche. It has launched a million greeting cards and a billion throw pillows into this world. A million posters and so many, so many items like that. And it, but it's been repeated so often and it's become a cliche, but you know why it's a cliche? Because it's got the ring of truth. And it goes like this. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. And across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. And he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. Also, he noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints I don't understand why when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During those times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Have you ever looked back at the hard parts of your life and been able to say, I couldn't see Jesus then, but looking back, I see that he was carrying me. The teacher it's always teaching. Jesus doesn't reveal himself on demand. Jesus reveals himself on his schedule. And he will reveal himself to the people that you love on his schedule. But the essence of faith is trusting the reality of the witness of others and believing in the truth of his word and trusting that he is with us even when we can't see him. At the end of the story, after Jesus reveals himself, and we'll talk about that next week, Cleopas makes an observation. He says that even though they couldn't see Jesus as he was walking with them, they could feel his presence. Cleopas described it this way. He said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Beloved, he is speaking to you today. You may not recognize the voice of God 
But there's something moving in you. You can't explain it. You can't define it. You can't put your finger on it. But someone is there. And you can feel it. Maybe it feels like restlessness. Maybe it feels like desperation. Maybe it feels like curiosity. Maybe it feels like hunger. Or maybe it feels like peace. Maybe it feels like hope. But whatever it feels like, it keeps pulling you, making you more hungry, more curious, more drawn to what only He can offer. St. Augustine once said, O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Whatever it feels like, that burning is the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus with us, God with us, getting your attention. And that is why you are here today. You know that he's here. And you know that he is real. And that he's walking with you, even if you can't see him yet. Do I believe what other people have said about the difference that he's made in their lives? Do I believe in the truth of his word? Do I believe that he is not only invisibly present, but that he will show up in my life too? I don't know what your circumstances are right now. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Trust the word. Trust the testimony of the people who love you. And trust that he is with you. And give your life to him. Would you pray with me? Lord, I know that there are a lot of people here who are here today just because it's Mother's Day, but that's not your reason for why they're here. Your reason is because you've brought them to get their attention. You've spoken a word through your scripture that has provoked a burning in someone's heart today. And now, Lord, you, you are inviting that person to trust in your word, to trust in the testimony, and to trust in you. And Lord, I don't know who that person is or who those people are today, but I just pray that, that right now they will ask you to take over their lives. That, Lord, they will turn to you and they will trust you. Lord, I pray right now that they will say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been far away. I know that you've been close. That you're here. And I just want to trust you. 
Lord, I pray that whoever it is in this room today that needed to know that you were with them, that they know right now that you were with them. Thank you for walking with us even when we don't recognize you. In Jesus' name, amen.